Hello, my friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you're well. And for this week, we're going to be learning about Parsha's Vezosa Bracha, which is the last Parsha in the Torah, which is going to be read on Simcha's Torah, which will be this year, Saturday night and Sunday. We'll finish the Torah with rejoicing, with happiness, with dancing, with l'chaims. And God willing, next week, we'll start again from the beginning, Parshas Bereshis, the book of Genesis. I look forward to joining you again on this amazing journey throughout another year of the Practical Parsha podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. And before we begin, as always, if you have any questions, comments, would like to reach out to tell me how you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokonkohn at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, as I mentioned before, we're finishing the Torah, and God willing, we're going to restart again. On Simchas Torah, we start right away reading Parshas Barashas. Next week, the full Parsha of Barashas will be said, but... We start Simchas Torah, the beginning, right away. Now, before we talk about the Parsha, I just wanted to focus in on this idea of completing the Torah. And it reminds me of a, of a story I heard about a song that's sung on Simchas Torah. There's a famous Yiddish song, which is sung in many shuls and many synagogues throughout the world on Simchas Torah. And it goes like this. You'll see some of my cantorial skills. The world to come is a good thing. Learning Torah is the best. Learning Torah is the best thing. Learning Torah. Throw away all your other worries. Keep learning Torah. The world to come is a good thing. So one more time. Learning Torah is the best. Learning Torah is the Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why am I singing you a song on the Practical Parsha podcast? And the answer to that is, is not necessarily the song itself, but it's the story behind the song and the lesson that we can learn from it, which is very appropriate for Simchas Torah, for the last Parsha of the year, and for us going forward into the new year with a new commitment to, to learn even more and to be even better. It's brought down that this song was composed many years ago that when the Gaon of Vilna, the Vilna Gaon, Rebellio Kramer, who was a great Torah scholar, lived in Vilna during the 1700s. And he passed away during Chalamoid Sukkis, the intermediate days of Sukkis, which we're currently in right now. And the city of Vilna, as can be imagined, their, their leader, their teacher, had passed away on Sukkis, which is, you know, some of the happiest days of the whole Jewish year. The town was down. They were depressed. 
And it came to Simchas Torah, it came to the holiday of rejoicing with the Torah, where you're supposed to be happy, you're supposed to rejoice. And his prime student, Reb Chaim Velazhner, Reb Chaim of Velazhin, he saw that the people were down, they were downtrodden. And he wanted to pick everybody up. And he told them that, sure, you're sad right now about the Vilna Gon. You're sad about the Gaon of Vilna, that he passed away. You don't have your leader. You don't have your teacher. But he would give up all of his world to come, which was tremendous. Can you imagine how great the Vilna Gon was? He was tremendous. We can't even imagine. We can't even fathom his greatness. The He's given status um, in, in, in halachic works and his writings as if he, he was from the previous generations, almost as if he was from the times of the Rishonim. And his share in the world to come must be tremendous. But Reb Chaim Velazhin, he told the people of Vilna, he said, the Vilna Gaon, he would give up all of his Olam Haba, all of his share in the world to come, for just one more moment of studying Torah. Because now that he's in the next world, he's not able to study Torah anymore. We're only able to do that now, here, in this world, to have the ability to study, the ability to learn. And he made up with this idea being given over to the people, they came up with the words of this song. Sure, the world to come is a good thing, but studying Torah is the best thing because that in itself, the act of learning, the act of studying, that's what gets you the connection. The reward sometimes is not what's the best thing. It's the act the, the work that gets you to reward is the most enjoyable part of the whole process and the most important part of the whole process. And when it comes to Torah study, you have to remember that when we study Torah and when we do mitzvos in this world, the act itself of learning, of studying, of doing mitzvos is what's connecting us to Hashem. Even if we're studying something which might never have any relevance to us or to anybody. The fact that we're studying the word of Hashem, the word of God, gives the tremendous, gives it infinite value to what we're trying to do and to the actions we're doing. And I think this is something we need to think about going forward into the year. We have tremendous opportunity to learn, to study. And now is our time to chaperain which means in Yiddish, to grab the opportunity, to grab the chances we have now because the opportunity we have is not going to be there at a later time. And it's actually brought down about the Gra, about the Gaon of Vilna, that when he was passing on to the next world, he was crying and he was holding on to his tzitzis. And he said, you know, for only a few kopecks, a few coins, we're able to gain eternity in the next world. That through the few dollars it costs to buy a pair of tzitzis, we could have eternity. And he didn't necessarily just mean tzitzis, but the fact that we have this, we can easily accomplish mitzvos here. And some mitzvos are easier, some mitzvos are harder. That's granted. And you know, sometimes study can be harder. But the act of studying, the act of learning, the act of connecting is only something we can do here and now. And it's something we could think about on on Simchas Torah, on this special holiday when we re- would rejoice with the Torah, when we rejoice with the Torah, 
to think that when we learn, we're not just learning for our you know, own academic rigor to push our mind. That's not why we study. When we study Torah, we're studying to connect ourselves to Hashem, to connect ourselves to God. And that in it itself gives special significance to what we're trying to accomplish. Because every moment we sit and we try to learn and we try to get clarity, we're connecting more and more. And I just heard a, a talk recently that there's two parts of learning. There's learning to know, to have yidiyas ha to have general knowledge of Torah. We have to know what to do and how to live as a Jew. But even aside from having yidiyas ha there's limud ha just to study Torah, to learn. And the act of studying itself, even if we don't get anything quote-unquote practical from it, is in itself a worthwhile endeavor. You know, I know this is called the Practical Parsha Podcast, and we try to make every piece of advice practical. But ultimately, we have to know that any Torah we study, anything, any part of the Torah, is something practical and worthwhile. Because whenever we spend that time, we expend that effort, we're connecting, and that's something which has practical ramifications for ourselves now in this world. Now this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vizos HaBracha. And just to give a quick overview of the Parsha, the Parsha talks about the blessing that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, gives to the Jewish people before he is going to pass on. And in this Parsha is a specific blessing for each and every tribe as well as a prophecy for the Jewish people at large. And the, the Kabbalists, they talk about specifically the wording of Moshe Rabbeinu that it starts off, Vizos Habracha. And the word Vav indicates to us that the blessing started somewhere else, that it was a continuation of another blessing. And the commentaries tell us that the blessing of Moshe Rabbeinu started from Yaakov Avinu, from Jacob. That we know that Jacob, before he passed on, he gave each and every one of his children specific blessings that tailored to their strengths. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses was continuing this tradition with him, him passing the mantle of leadership to Yeshua and the Jewish people entering the land of Israel. He would now bless every tribe with their specific traits, with their strengths. And now he's sort of capping off the blessing that started by Yaakov Avinu when the Jewish nation was formed, the 12 tribes. Now, when they're about to start their new existence going into the land of Israel, he closes it off with a blessing as well. And to sort of give the message that the way to live the life of the patriarchs is by following the Torah. You know, I also saw it brought down that the Vizos also correlates to the earlier Vizos in, in, in Parshas Ve'eschanan. It says, Vizos HaTorah Shesam Moshe of Israel. Then this is the Torah that, that Moshe placed before the Jewish people. When Moshe Rabbeinu started his repetition of the entire Torah, he was giving the Jewish people direction on how to live their lives. And now Moshe Rabbeinu is culminating just that with this specific blessing. The first thought I want to share with you today focuses in 
on one of the first verses of the Parsha. The Pasuk says in Pasuk Dalit, Torah Tzival and Moshe, Morashak Yaakov. The Torah that Moses commanded us is the heritage of the congregation of Jacob. Now, this is one of the first psukim that we teach children when they start learning how to read, that it's a heritage. The Torah is not a legacy. It's not a history book. It's not an inheritance. It's a morasha. It's a heritage. Now, what does it mean, a morasha? That the Torah is an inheritance for the entire congregation of Jacob. And I, and I saw this... Um, this idea really ties into the rest of the verse as well, because if you look at the end of the verse, it doesn't say Morasha, uh, you know, Bnei Yisrael. It says Kihilas Yaakov. It doesn't say the sons of Yaakov. Rather, it says the congregation of Jacob. And the commentaries tell us that Kihilas Yaakov, the congregation of Yaakov, indicates to us that the Torah, as a Morasha, which is as a heritage doesn't just belong to the sons of Yaakov, meaning all the people that were born into Judaism, but also the people who became Jewish as well. Not just the people who have the, the pedigrees that came from the, the Yichus, which is the lineage that they come from great tzaddikim. It comes from the regular people as well. It's, it's for everybody, all Jews, everybody. You know, no matter how religious you are to how secular you are. The Torah belongs to every Jew. And that's the idea of a morasha, a heritage. Because a heritage is something um, which doesn't necessarily belong to the heirs to use as they please. And Rabbi Gifter explains that it, that the difference between a, a heritage and an inheritance is that someone who inherits money from their parents or grandparents or a possession, they could decide to use that possession any way they like. They could dispose of it. They could sell it. They could do whatever they want with it. They inherited it. But a something which is a heritage, a family heritage, it's not just for the person who inherits it. It's something that belongs to the future generations as well. And I'm sure you know, each person in their family could have an idea of something which is in the family, which, you know, the person who's uh, you maybe ha has it in possession would never view it as themselves, but sort of use it as the entire family. There's someone I know who lives in my community who has a Kiddush cup. And this Kiddush cup is a special Kiddush cup. It once belonged to the Trisker Magid, a great Hasidic Rebbe. And even though he's the, you know, quote-unquote, the owner of it, he doesn't look at himself as the owner. He looks at it as that it's a that it belongs to the entire family. And someone, he would never sell it because it doesn't just belong to him. It belongs to future generations as well. To make a separation from that to the Torah, you know, the Torah is, you know, infinitely more valuable than a Kiddush cup. The idea is, is that it's not just ours to decide how we want to use it. It's something which belongs to the future generations as well. And the, the Talmud tells us that we don't say necessarily Morasha, but it also could be Morasa, that it, we're, we're wedded to the Torah, that we shouldn't just look at our relationship to Torah as a, it's, you know, something, it's not something exclusively for one group of people. 
It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just for the educated. It's not just, it's for everybody. It's wedded to the entire Jewish people. And thus, we have a responsibility twofold on our end to learn the Torah, to study it, to be connected. And at the same time, to provide for others who lack the ability to study it, either whether it be financially they're not able to, or they don't necessarily have the resources to access. We have to be there as people to help them um, reach the Torah. And this is just uh, one idea which I wanted to focus in on, on this verse in the Torah, which teaches us this idea that the Torah is not exclusive to one group. It's for the entire Jewish nation to benefit from, and no one could claim that, you know, it, it, I thought it was just for them. It's for everybody. Especially in this generation, we're so blessed to have access to studying Torah. You know, and, and this podcast is one example where no matter where you are in the world, you have the ability to study the Word of Hashem, the Word of God. And there's English books, and there's French books, and Spanish books, and there's something for everybody. And that's the point it's not limited to one group. A person can't say it's just for religious people. It's just for this. It's for all Jews. And that has to be our outlook as well. The second idea I want to share with you focuses in on the blessing that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses gives to the tribe of Levi. The Pazik says, Of Levi, he said, your Tumim and your Urim befit your devout one, whom you tested at Mas and whom you challenged at the waters of Meriva. The one who said of his father and mother, I have not favored him, his brothers he did not give recognition, and his children he did not know, for they, the Levites, have observed your word and your covenant they preserve. They shall teach your ordinances to Jacob and your Torah to Israel. They shall place incense before your presence and burnt offerings on your altar. If you look at the wording of the blessing of Levi, it says, They have observed your word and your covenant they have preserved. Rav Yecheskel Abramsky says that these two words of Kishamru imrasecha ubrischa yinsayru, they have observed your word and your covenant they have preserved, are not synonymous. Because the word shamru connotes a shomer, which is a watchman. And the word yinatsru comes from the word notzer, which is a, a caretaker. So the the verse is teaching us here something because it doesn't match up. Was the tribe of Lady Levi a shomer, a watchman, or was the tribe of Levi a preserver, a caretaker? And the difference is, is that a shomer, someone who is a guard, makes sure that no harm comes to the place that they're watching, right? A security guard makes sure nothing bad happens to the property. The, the person who watches a garden wants to make sure nothing bad is going to happen, that no damage is going to be to the facility, to the place. But someone who's a notes there, 
someone who is a caretaker, they're not just there to make sure nothing bad happens. They have to actively preserve the garden. They have to plant and prune and to take out the garbage and to, to make sure everything's in order, to water, to fertilize, to make sure that the trees produce. A shomer is not going to do that. Someone who is a guard is not going to make sure that the, the, you know, the orchard is giving fruit as it should be. Only someone who is a notzer, someone who is a caretaker, is going to make sure that the land is producing as best as it can. Now, the Levium, they were tasked with teaching the Torah to the Jewish people. And they had to fulfill both functions of Shomer and Notzer. They had to make sure that the laws of the Torah were not tampered with, were not changed, did not move one iota. But at the same time, they also had to teach Torah to the Jewish nation in a way that it, that it would be expanded, that wisdom of Torah would grow, that it would become more and more. Rabbi Tversky brings down that the king of Prussia, before he passed away, he was telling his son how he should run his kingdom. And the son felt that his kingdom, it's big enough. I don't need to expand it. It's, it's good. I don't, I don't need it to be bigger than it is right now. But the king told his son, says, a kingdom that does not expand will eventually shrivel. Torah knowledge is very similar. The Torah is divine. It's infinite. We know there's shivin ponim letar, the 70 faces of the Torah, which means that there's, there's always more ways of understanding. There's deeper levels. There's more. There's depth. We have to keep plunging and plunging and plunging. And that's another idea to talk about with Simchas Torah for another time. But the point here is that the Pasuk is telling us, the blessing to Levi, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them, is that they weren't just the watchers of the Torah, but they were also the caretakers, the preservers. They always were expanding their capabilities. They wanted to make it accessible to, to everybody, that it should be more and not be less. You know, And I've talked about this many times, that in Judaism, in our spiritual lives, we're never plateauing. We're either going up or we're going down. And when it comes to our spirituality, we have to have the outlook of Levi. We have to be watchers to make sure that we're not changing the Torah, to, to make sure we're guarding everything, to not change anything, to make, any, make sure nothing is tampered with. But at the same time, we have to constantly be expanding our horizons. And it's not something which is done overnight, and it's not something which is done at many steps at a time, but it's something that we need to focus on to keep pushing because a kingdom that is not expanding will eventually shrivel. That's going to finish for today's podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.